I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with privacy attorney Kirk Nara of the law firm Wilmer Hale. So, Kirk, we've been seeing an explosion of health apps and new health technologies, especially during the pandemic. The data that gets collected by these products often fall outside of HIPAA. What are your latest concerns involving this type of health data? Well, concerns is an interesting way to think about it. I mean, what what we're seeing in, you know, sort of my universe of privacy and security is just an enormous development and expansion of data that isn't regulated by the main set of privacy rules that one might think it would regulate. (laughs) What I mean by that is we have, you know, we have the HIPAA rules for the core healthcare industry, but those rules don't cover all health data. And so we're seeing more and more health data get created and be used for lots of different purposes that just where that data isn't subject to HIPAA. So We have to think about what it is subject to, if anything, and there's a lot of both concern and questions about what the rules are for that non-HIPAA health data. The Federal Trade Commission and state attorneys general have taken various enforcement actions in certain situations involving health data that potentially falls outside of HIPAA's umbrella. What kinds of regulatory gaps need to be addressed from a federal level, do you think? Well, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. And your question goes to, you know, a lot of the legal questions I get from clients and sort of talking about this field in general, which is, you know, the Federal Trade Commission and state attorneys general have broad, generally defined authority to go after unfair and deceptive trade practices. I mean, the the particular phrasing of, of their authority varies by state, but, you know, that that's the general concept. And so they clearly are interested in cases involving potentially unfair activities involving health data where that data isn't regulated by the HIPAA rules. And they do those cases and they're interested in those cases. And that's clearly an element of risk that, that a company in that space would need to think about. At the same time, it's not at all specific rules. It's not specific principles. And so there's good news and bad news. And on both the consumer side and and a company side. I mean, companies have to think carefully about what they're doing. Companies in many situations would like to have specific rules. I mean, obviously they would like those rules to be better for them than worse for them, but a lot of times just knowing what the rules are is important. Consumers have, I think, quite legitimate concerns that in lots of situations, there aren't rules. Now, again, if, if, if a company were to look at this and say, oh, there, aren't, there isn't a specific law that covers my non-HIPAA health information, that's a far too simplistic way to look at things. But there isn't a specific law in most of the, in most of the situations. Now, we're starting to see those gaps get filled to some extent in the state privacy laws. I mean, the CCPA in California, for example, you know, assuming that a company is otherwise subject to the law, it's big enough, has enough access to data, those kinds of things, it would probably apply to non-HIPAA health data. The problem we're seeing in California and, and in the other states that have loosely followed California is that we now have a whole bunch of different rules for the same information, depending on who has it and what they're doing with it. And I think that's a problem. At the federal level, we're just looking at that same gap and we're looking at the question of whether, you know, Congress is going to do something either specifically about non-HIPAA health data 
or whether it's going to do something more generally in a national privacy law that will have the effect of imposing some rules on this non-HIPAA health data. Those take you in different directions from a policy perspective, but each of those would be ways to fill this gap to some extent. So, Kirk, you mentioned Congress and a bipartisan bill was recently introduced that proposes the creation of a health and privacy commission to research and give recommendations to Congress on how to modernize the use of health data and privacy laws. What do you think about Congress assessing the health data privacy situation? For instance, do you think there could be or should be an eventual creation of like a HIPAA light for data not currently falling under HIPAA's umbrella? Or does HIPAA perhaps need to be changed? What do you think should happen? If you want to go back to the beginning and sort of figure out where the problem came from, the problem came from the limited scope of who HIPAA applies to. But that's a function of, you know, again, there's a long, long history there, but the HIPAA statute was directed to things that aren't privacy and security. And the privacy and security provisions are sort of a, I mean, almost an afterthought. I mean, there really aren't, there's very little substance of um, privacy and security in the HIPAA statute. And So when those rules went into effect, they applied to doctors, hospitals, health insurers, primarily sort of the mainstream core healthcare industry and not to other places where there was health data. That's just the function of how that law was written. So we've had that for a long time. So the rules were written carefully and I think very well for those interested entities who were covered by it. I don't think it's so easy to just say, let's expand HIPAA because you've got I mean, HIPAA is a set of rules that works great, both for patients and industry, if you're a doctor, if you're a hospital, if you're a health insurer, because it's targeted to what doctors do and hospitals do and health insurers do. I don't think you can say, oh, let's just extend that to what a mobile app does or what a wearable does, because that's not the same as what a health insurer or a hospital does. And so expanding HIPAA is actually quite difficult. You know, at the same time, do you say, all right, we're going to do something specific for this non-HIPAA health data, I think, you know, there should be some principles for that, but it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I'm not sure where you're starting from. And so you could try to take some lessons from the HIPAA rules. I mean, one of the lessons that I think is potentially useful, both in a narrower healthcare context and in a broader national privacy law would be the idea of context. I mean, In HIPAA, we say, oh, when a patient goes to the doctor, the patient expects the doctor to use information to treat the patient, to get paid for treating the patient, to send it to the health insurer, and, uh, you know, generally run their business as being a doctor or hospital or health insurer. You could take those ideas and say, basically, that's that's what a patient should expect and say, okay, what do we do when I use a wearable? What should a consumer expect? We could try to use that idea of context or expectations to set standards. We haven't seen that happen much yet outside of the HIPAA context. And so I think that's a big question as to how that would play out. At the same time, one of the developments that we're seeing in the broader healthcare ecosystem is there is an increasing recognition that lots of information that doesn't seem to be about your health. When I teach this subject, I use articles that look at data points like voting patterns and television viewing habits and how many cars you have and whether you're married or not as data points that are relevant to various healthcare assessments. You know, I'm not sure how we define health information if your voting patterns 
are useful for healthcare. It's really hard to figure out what, what it means for healthcare information. So I think that's one of the hardest parts of this debate. I mean, this, this new bill that you mentioned is designed to study this issue. And while most bills in Congress that talk about studying an issue mean that just nothing ever happens, there are lots of tricky things to think about here. And I could see a you know, bunch of smart people thinking about this issue as being really useful to come up with good proposals. So, Kirk, we have the HIPAA security rule, which applies to the things that entities are supposed to do to protect the PHI. Do you think that if there are any laws on a federal level that sort of address the non-HIPAA covered health related data, you know, the consumer wearables, the health app sorts of things, how prescriptive do you think that could or should get in terms of what these companies need to do to protect this data in terms of the technology level and the controls and all that sort of thing? I think the security issues to some extent are actually easier to think about. I'm not sure they're easier to solve, but I mean, the HIPAA security rule is a very good process-oriented rule. The premise from, from the regulators who are writing the rules at HHS was basically, look, we got to write a rule that applies to a solo practitioner doctor in rural wherever and to Aetna and to the Cleveland Clinic. And there's very little in common <laughs> between those, those activities. So they created a standard that is designed to make the entity focus on what their risks are, their specific activities, build a security program that is particular for their activities with a list of standards that they have to figure out how to implement. It's, it's that it's process more than very particular substance. I think that process generally works well. It's broad. It's, it's somewhat confusing, but it's very flexible and it lets people figure out what's best for them. At the same time, it makes them sort of keep up to pace with technological changes. If something changes about your business or something changes about technology, you have to reevaluate your security program on a regular basis. You could take those same standards and apply them to non-HIPAA health data. You could pass a law that I think on security just copied the HIPAA security rule. You could say that we expect that any business of you know, whatever size you want to put in it doesn't even have to be limited to health. There's nothing specific about, there's very little specific about health in the security role. So that could work. The question of whether to make it prescriptive or generalized is a, an important question that is not specifically a healthcare question. I mean, we're seeing that play out. You mentioned the FTC before. The FTC, when it wrote security rules for the financial services industry 20 years ago, had a very general program. In the last year or so, I think it's in the last year, they came out with a revision to that set of rules that's much more prescriptive. So their thinking has changed a little bit. HHS has not moved in that direction on the HIPAA rules. And so the general versus the specific is very much a question, but why is health data different or do different entities have to do different things? It's a, it's a much easier question. I think the privacy challenges are much more substantial in just coming up with principles and rules. The security stuff, I think the, the non-HIPAA data is, is largely the same as the, the HIPAA data. Now, Kirk, you mentioned HHS. In terms of HIPAA regulations and enforcement actions, any predictions on what we might see moving forward this year from HHS under the Biden administration? Last year was sort of a quieter year when it came to enforcement, for instance? I think there's a couple of elements to watch on that. So one of the things that has continued 
for the last several years and continued through the change of administration was enforcement actions dealing with patient access issues. That's a clear agenda item for the Office of Civil Rights. Patient access is a very important goal for them. They are willing to do cases that are small dollar cases to continue to do the cases and continue to put pressure on the industry. I don't quite understand why the covered entities aren't fulfilling their access <laughs> obligations. It's a pretty easy thing to do. You know, I'm not sure I fully understand why HHS continues to be able to bring cases because there shouldn't be companies that don't fulfill access requests. But I expect to see those cases continue. The bigger picture enforcement area is very much up in the air for that. I mean, they, there was a, a big case about a, a, little, a little over a year ago now, I might I lose track of time and during the pandemic, but there was a case involving um, the MD Anderson facility in Texas against the Office of Civil Rights, where MD Anderson challenged a HIPAA enforcement action. And frankly, to the surprise of many of us, certainly to my surprise, they won. And the court decision throws HHS's HIPAA enforcement policy into some disarray. It just was a very direct attack on how they have done enforcement over the years. I personally have liked how they've done enforcement. I think generally HHS in doing HIPAA enforcement has been reasonable and thoughtful and has been willing to listen to companies that have had security breaches. It's been willing to listen to what they've done and they it's not a perfection standard. And they they understand that and they, they try to distinguish between companies that are trying hard and something just didn't work versus companies that aren't trying hard or that have had a, a lot of repeated problems and things like that. But since MD Anderson, we haven't seen very much enforcement other than these access cases. And I do not know for certain whether that is tied solely to the change administration or whether it is also connected to MD Anderson. I think there needs to be some thinking on HHS's part about what that MD Anderson case will mean for them going forward, including the possibility that they pick another test case in a different circuit. Because again, the Fifth Circuit decision in MD Anderson was kind of unusual, certainly, at least unexpected and, and, and a little bit out of line. So I'm not sure if we're going to see those cases. I mean, there are certainly investigations that are ongoing. There are investigations that are active. And I don't know that the pace of investigations has slowed. The pace of resolutions has slowed. That's not going to go on forever. So with that said, do you think it'll be a while before we see any of these multi-million dollar settlements or civil monetary penalty cases well, I mean, again, I, I I just don't know about that, that Marianne. I mean, there, there are lots of cases that they are investigating right now. Many of those cases have been under investigation for a while. And so that could change pretty quickly. And so one of, one of the implications of the MD Anderson case is that the dollar expectations for settlements from the government's perspective should be lower than they were in the past. Because I think that the MD Anderson create some real tensions on some of the efforts to get bigger dollar cases. And keep in mind, I mean, eight, there's nothing about the HIPAA rules that have led to really big dollar cases. I mean, the, you know, in the healthcare industry, you know, I grew up in the healthcare industry doing healthcare fraud cases where the government settlements were in the tens of millions, the hundreds of millions, and, you know, a hundred million dollar settlement was a one day news story. Those were big False Claims Act cases, things like that. We just don't see that under under the HIPAA rules. That's not how that set of rules was structured. So 
I don't expect to see really large cases under any event. I mean, they just haven't done very many of those historically. And I think there's more pressure because of the MD Anderson case to not have them. Their success with the, with the patient access cases is interesting. All of those cases have been small dollar cases. I don't, I don't have the list in front of me, but I'm not sure any of them have been above 100,000. A lot of them are $60,000, $80,000 cases, but they're doing them to send an important message. Again, I'm a little surprised that the industry hasn't done a better job of receiving the message, but I think it's getting through. And I think people are aware of that. And, you know, that's a useful enforcement approach. They've said, look, this is something that we don't want to continue. And we are willing to undertake these cases, even where the goal isn't big dollars, because we want to get this right for patients. We want to get them access to their records. Well, thanks very much, Kirk. I've been speaking to Kirk Nara. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.